Hello and welcome to Signals from the Hill. My name's Stephen Walsh. Coming up, we've got the second part of a conversation with Katrina Chapman and Elizabeth Querstra with a particularly interesting discussion on the issues that can arise where other people feature in your own autobiographical work. If you're listening to this on the day of release, there's still time to catch us at MCM London from the 26th to the 28th of October. You can find us at table SJ3, where we'll have copies of all our new releases as well as a selection of our backlist titles. Our store spotlight this month is on OK Comics in Leeds, which has a wonderful range of old and new comics, as well as a great selection of graphic novels and trade paperbacks, including a really nice display of translated editions of European comics. They also have a lovely selection of exclusive book plates and signed copies from local artists and visiting creators. You can find them on Twitter at OKComics and online at okcomics.co.uk. And now, here's some information on another comics podcast you may enjoy. In the monthly radio show on comics, Panel Borders, you can hear Alan Moore. You see this gradual rehabilitation of Godzilla. Sandy Toxvig. There's something about the cartoon world that, honestly, in these grim times, is rather preferable to flesh and blood sometimes. Chris Riddell. I have a draw in my studio. Um, it's the naughty draw. And many more writers and artists talking about their craft. More info at www.panelborders.wordpress.com. And here's the next part of our chat between Kat and Liz, and we join them talking about their favourite creators. Do you have any favourite creators or a favourite zine, a favourite comic or something that just really you look at and you're like, wow? I don't know, that's tricky because in terms of zines, comics and zines can be quite different. So, I mean, I guess any anything that particularly inspires you, it could be even outside comics and zines. I mean, when I was getting started, Katie Green's zine was a big inspiration because I just thought it was lovely. What was it that you thought was so lovely? It was just like your, the similar to your work in that it was really personal. It, her personality just kind of comes through. I take that as a compliment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just really beautifully presented. And just I love the, the concept of just little short pieces within each issue and then that you would get a certain... You know, they would come out every so often and you could get the latest one. So that was quite inspirational to me. bit like the cat scene. <laughs> yeah, I, did. I, I will admit that I did kind of uh, take the idea from her with, with her permission. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you mentioned Christina, um, her works I've always loved. Um, oh. And just the, her sense of design is so great, like with page mm-hmm. design and with uh, she does beautiful covers. Um, yeah. So she inspired me to try and pay more attention to you know lettering and pattern and things like that just to make things kind of look beautiful because quite often lettering was something an afterthought for me and I would just Uh chuck it on not really care what it looked like so very guilty of that I that's what I tend to do is look at people's work and where I see something that I don't do very well I think oh right this you know I need to take inspiration from this what about you What, what are your inspirations so again yeah Christina um her her work I think is just stunning and like you say I think it's just so well thought out she's put so much thought into every element on that page and I just also like her imagination yeah um and then do you remember Kim Clements did a zine I've forgotten what it's called it's about being in London as a rabbit yes um, oh goodness! That... It might have been called the rabbit. No, it wasn't called the rabbit. That's Rachel Smith's book. Um, but yeah, I know the one. I know the one. Yeah. I'm really annoyed. I can't remember what it's called because it's 
just so beautiful. I I remember looking at that and thinking I'd never seen anything else quite like it. And the artwork was almost like Marc Chagall, but in a city being yeah. rabbit. Yeah. And I really liked how the pages kind of flowed from one page to another. And as you turn the page, it, everything that was before it carried on. Mm. Um, and I just also liked the the topic because I could relate to that idea of being feeling isolated but also feeling surrounded by lots of people I can link to that a lot and then oh I can never say names well Andy put put oh help me out um, and, Poyaji. thank you <laughs> sorry Andy his work I remember when I started getting into comics and zines just blew my brains mm. um and I liked the layout and um, the art style itself. His layout, I think, got me thinking that I need to consider more than just panels. Um, mm. And then going on a bit, I finally got round to Gareth Brooks. It took me a while <laughs> to actually um, get my hands on the, the Black Project. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, Oh my god, it's beyond brilliant. Like, that is a labour of love. I don't think anyone is quite as crazy as Gareth in what time he puts into making his work and the stress he must have gone through. But if you're not familiar, it's um, Salino prints and embroidery. And every single page has been so well executed. And I, I look at it through from the story but I also look at it a lot through the artwork Mm. and then that gets you thinking more because he he takes a completely different approach with each new project it's not it's not even just like a little bit different it's something like a completely new (laughs) style yeah yeah and he, he he is an artist telling stories and I had a chat with him and it was really nice because I was starting to worry everything I did was having different art styles and people often go oh you need to try and have a consistent style that people recognize you for and every time I made a new zine everything was different and he he was just so mellow and relaxed and he was like just don't even worry about it just do what you want to do make what you want to make and just go with it and everything he does you're right is so massively different the the one with the crayons yeah thousand colored castles i think it's called thank you (laughs) (laughs) in the sky Um, i'm awful remembering details um that one all of his stuff everything Mm. he does it's just art in your hands yeah i think that thing about having a consistent style is more relevant if you're like a like a freelance illustrator and you're going for um jobs you know lots of different jobs um especially like editorial work for magazines where they want to they want to look at your name and go oh yeah that's exactly what we're gonna get but if you're doing zines and comics there's so much more artistic freedom i think so you should just you're if you're doing comics and zines you're gonna get bored if you do the same you know exactly the same thing each time so i think Gareth is right on that one i i've um i've accepted that now and i stopped worrying about what people think I just keep on going brilliant yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was one thing you mentioned earlier that I wanted to get back to when you were talking about how you started out with putting comics online 
would you say yeah was it a like a web comic would you say or was it just you'd put social media updates so i entered the comic world completely uneducated on comics i'd never read a comic before i always thought all comics were spider-man um you know marvel characters that that was my education of comics oh that's interesting that was another thing i was going to ask you because i didn't know whether you were like you read them as a kid or anything like that yeah not really um I loved, do you know Richard Scarry? Yes, yeah. So I adore Richard Scarry, and that's probably the closest thing I could say to a comic, because you're just invited to, you're invited to make your way around his world of animals, and they're all just chatting to one another, and there's lots of things happening, and you can see action going on in different parts of the city. Mm-hmm. You open this double-page spread. Um, that's probably the closest thing I guess I got to comics and then it was when I started seeing this bearded man in my life Mr. Matthew the poor man (laughs) um he he one day was around my flat and he started seeing some of my artwork and I had pages and pages of little drawings of myself with thoughts coming out of it and he's like you know you're making comics and I'm like what he's like yeah what you've got here this is comics and I'm like, I don't, what are you talking about and then that was that and then the next time he came round, he came round with a bunch of comics and he's like people are selling this in shops and they're sharing it with the world he's like do you think maybe you should just consider starting doing something like that and i'm like i'm not really not really sure people want this though i mean look at this there's no one wants this he's like no really just think about it and then yeah. he then back and then he showed me websites of is it Liz Lunny Liz oh yeah yeah so he showed me her website and I thought whoa that that looks really fun and mm. um, I would quite like to do something like that so I started drawing just me and what I was thinking of and then I got really ill with my back the whole world knows I've got really bad back pain yeah. and about maybe four years ago I was off work for a couple of weeks so I set up a website just for the fun to entertain myself and so then I then started putting little updates on it so I started doing these not knowing what a webcomic was and it was actually Ricky Miller who told me it was autobiographical comics (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't a clue what I was doing Um, and then I quite enjoyed doing them and it became quite cathartic and fun and it was quite fun drawing my friends and my friends seeing them and my friends quite liked it and then I just kept on for there and I got a bit addicted <laughs> and do you think that 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 sort of readership that those people have kind of stuck with you and then buy your your zines that you make now the stuff that you sell online oh that's a big question because I I can't really keep up with who it is who's buying my stuff yeah and I still live in this little world where I almost can't accept that people are buying my stuff. <laughs> so I often think I'm not really selling anything, but then the stocks are going down, so then I must be selling something. <laughs> but there are some people who do still talk to me about those web comics and do still reference them. So mm. they must still be buying my current things because everything varies. So I never know if people will like the different stuff that I make. Yeah. Because people who like the web comics i don't know if they'll then like 
walks with Lulu or because they're so massively different. Mm. But then in the same vein, they are me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to know, you know, stuff like that, like who's buying and what they're liking and yeah no I find it very hard to predict what's gonna work what's gonna sell where and that kind of thing yeah it's, it's always a bit of a, a mind it's a field. minefield isn't it yeah I um I have definitely gone to some zine fairs and come away really disheartened yeah and being like oh I'm rubbish oh <laughs> everything I make must be awful because you know I've not sold anything um but Gareth Brooks gave me some really nice advice that stuck with me mm-hmm. and he's like don't worry too much about making something to please others. Yeah. Make, make something for yourself. Make it because you enjoy it, because it means something to you. And if you like it, there's a very good chance somebody else out there will also like it. Yeah. And that, I've just always now gone with that. That is really good advice. And um, Katie Green said a similar thing to me um, at one point she kind of said you're not going to please everybody um all the time and just don't even bother um trying because occasionally she'll get messages kind of like oh I don't know I think one example she gave was someone saying oh this is too expensive or the postage is too much whatever and it's like just ignore it it's yeah everyone else is happy with it you can't Uh take everything to heart and go oh my god I also think people in that situation where they say oh it's all too expensive I don't think they fully appreciate what an artist has had to do to get to the point of offering a zine to the public the hours the labor the cost the time that they just see the end product they flip through it at a glance and go oh no yeah no i don't like it oh i do like it yeah and and they they can easily forget everything else that went into that conversely as well some people have no idea some people that aren't involved in this world at all have no idea about pricing I've had people tell me my zines should be way more expensive and it's kind of like well no one will buy them (laughs) I mean yeah Yeah. that's a nice idea but they're going to be sold alongside other things you know with a similar page cow (laughs) that conversation today about trying to explain how zines are meant to be accessible so they're meant to be affordable no one goes into the zine world thinking that that's going to be their um, their pension scheme or something. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I think that's one of the things I like most about making zines. You make it for yourself and you make it to connect with other people. And the idea of just connecting with a stranger through something you've made, I always think is mind-blowing. And that's actually one of the first things I did. I made a zine called Just Before I Sleep. And I started hiding it in shops for people to find. And I tied like a little tag on it to say, congratulations, you found a free gift. And this is from me to you. And, you know, just enjoy it and enjoy the excitement of finding something through being curious. And then I just got strangers from all over the world messaging me saying they'd found my my little comic that's brilliant Um, but that that's kind of the basis of why i like zine making it's connecting with people and and sharing something yeah that yeah the the first few times that happens to you when you get an email or a message from someone it's just it is really special you think oh my god yeah but i think even now i i'm still like an excitable child at christmas 
when someone comes up to me and they just say something about what they've read from my work, it means so much. It's really nice and reassuring. And it, it's just every time someone says something like that. And I, I think people should be encouraged to pay compliments to others more often. We shouldn't hold back and think, oh, we'll sound stupid. Yeah. Because the recipient does appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I think that's true. And it's it's also nice if, you know, if you're collaborating with other people in this sort of, I hesitate to call it an industry, the, the kind of comics that we make. <laughs> but working with printers and working with publishers and things, if, yeah, thank people for the work they do because everyone's yeah. in it for not a lot of money, really. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Andy Oliver, he yeah. is like patron saint of like small press. The hours, the time, the labour. And I think it's crazy when he goes and gets griefs from someone who isn't happy because they haven't reviewed something. Or, um, you know, him doing all his reviews on Broken Frontier, I think it's just like mind-blowingly yeah. amazing. That's a lot of time and energy. Yeah. That's bonkers. I mean, people. There's always going to be some people that don't that aren't interested in your work, and you have to not care and just go. Okay, I have to find the people that are, and mm-hmm. not harass the people that are. But aren't. also appreciate. It's not necessarily that that it's not liked. It's maybe that it's just the wrong time, or you know, someone's too pressed with other deadlines. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's been stuff Andy hasn't reviewed of mine. I haven't gone and had a breakdown and then had a big boohoo on social media over it because <laughs> I appreciate that Andy is a super, super busy man and, um, you know, anything that he does review, I'm just completely stoked with. I've, I've printed his stuff out and put it up on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is he is brilliant. So how are you feeling about your new graphic novel coming out? I'm I'm excited now that I've... Today I saw an actual physical copy for the first time. So now that I've seen it, um... I saw that photo on social media. <laughs> it looked really good. Yeah, I'm I'm still kind of nervous because I, you kind of you kind of hope that reviewers are going to read it and and like it, and you never know quite how that's going to go, and you also yeah. don't, you don't know how it's going to sell. Um, uh huh. And I just hope it it sells and that people like it. It will. There's it only, will. There's very few people that have actually read it so far leading on to that having read some of it and your thoughts and feelings around it in the starting of it the opening pages you discuss with someone about how you feel with sharing a personal story yes oh this is something I was going to ask you about as well (laughs) (laughs) so I'm getting on to it first so (laughs) when you have made this and you've had to consider your own personal feelings but also you've had to consider portraying somebody else as well yeah how how have you felt I guess would you say on moral level and like a vulnerability level that's one of the things about autobiographical stuff is that you're inevitably going to put real people into your work who, who may have feelings about being put into things and it is it is difficult and a bit strange. I felt very awkward at first doing something that was about a relationship and it was very uncomfortable to begin with, but I also just knew that it would be it would make it the story that much more interesting the more open yeah. I was about that side of things. 
and I, uh, that became more important I think as I went through the book I started to realize that that's gonna be the thing that keeps people reading it you owed it to the story and that outweighed yeah because it's very easy to write a travel log and just kind of document things that you saw but that's that's not particularly gripping as a story to kind of keep turning the page so yeah I, I wanted also that. would you agree that perhaps it's not quite so honest and emotive yeah possibly but then as you were saying it does leave you with the the sort of quandary of is this okay to do and that's why I did include that scene at the beginning where I kind of did tell my ex-partner that this was this book was going to happen because I was hoping that would I don't know at least that's your atonement set up yeah at least tell the reader that that happened that there was a conversation where it was kind of said yeah (laughs) that's quite very that's very considerate well yeah I mean I think when when I first had a meeting with Ricky about the book and he was he one of his first questions was does your ex know that this is happening and it's not going to be like a hatchet job on his character or anything is it and I was like well no it's definitely not going to be that so how did you find the conversation with him well I mean the the good thing from that made it easier is that he's a writer himself and he's okay so he was very understanding of you know this is what this is what you do Mm -hmm. And like I, I think I even have a bit in the book where he's saying, "Oh, I can. I've got some resources about writing autobio that I can yes. lend you and stuff." So, I was yeah, curious was... to know, did you refer to those resources? Yeah, I read. I read an awful lot about writing before I started because this was by far the longest thing that I've ever tried to write. So I, I was re- reading an awful lot of stuff, including stuff that he sent me. But yeah, it is. It is weird. I mean, and including because I in my uh, zine that I I've done eight issues of I yeah have, I have my, my partner appears in, as a regular character in that <laughs> yeah. and I, I love it the first time I I kind of had one of those coming out I was like I, I suppose I should tell him because I hadn't really said that I was doing it and I was slightly worried <laughs> even though I you know I knew he wouldn't um, object to it you do I think you, yeah. do, you owe it to people to tell them sometimes that that it's happening and I don't know I mean what how do you feel about putting real people in your work do you talk to them about it I guess I've gone on a bit of a journey where I've learned through bad experience right um so where do I start I started off not really telling people yeah (laughs) um which I mean everyone's entitled to you know speak that truth or whatever and to tell stories about themselves and that inevitably yeah. involve other people so to a degree well, I agree that people should be able to do that but I, I guess you I have agree to be with you that it's quite good morally to let people know and pre-warn them mm. I think naively because I I like to live in the positive world I don't know if you notice <laughs> I, I tend to try and look for the positives yeah um, I always try to make my content amusing and like I started off doing the website updates about me and the focus was always on me and I'd always try to make the the, I don't know the outcome the negative spin whatever went wrong it was it was things that happened to me so if I stupidly thought if anyone should be embarrassed then it would be me who's embarrassed (laughs) but as I started doing them all I then just got carried away with making them and not really thinking so much about how I was sharing them and I know it's very naive of me to say 
But I guess when I put it up on the website, doing it so often and having started off with just me, I kind of forgot that the whole world would be looking at this. <laughs> and I know that that's a terrible thing to say. And, and now as a slightly older person and having learned from experience, I do think a bit more carefully about what I share. I had some situations where I did some comics in a place where I worked and I got into trouble oh, no. for doing and and on reflection very rightly so um, and it was a good life lesson and then also another thing that happened with doing these is um, I drew pictures scenarios sometimes with my younger brother of stuff that we got up to I remember there's one situation where we're going to his car and, and the only way to open his car is with a shoestring and he's got, he's got a shoestring tied to the lock of the driver's seat and the shoestring passes through the back of the car to the boot and you have to open the boot and pull the shoestring to then unlock the driver's seat to be able to get in the car so <laughs> for me I found this killer hilarious and I'm like I've got got to do this because there was one day where the shoestring fell <laughs> and we couldn't reach the shoestring so we happened to have my small nephew with us and we forced him in this tiny gap in the boot. And, and we made him pull this string so we could get in the car. So I, I drew this material thinking this is gold. Yeah. Um, not really thinking at all about the impact of including my brother, who was then went on to do teacher training. And having quite a distinct surname, Querstrut, it's mm. very easy to Google and find. So he ended up with some students googling his name oh, nice. and then coming across these comics and then they would just kind of tease and poke fun but because of his personality he was quite good at taking it with light humor but it gave me a wake-up call mm. of how easy this stuff can spread about because you think little old me making my comics no one's gonna look at it yeah but once you share something in the world it's out there yeah once you've portrayed someone in a certain way, you can't undo how you've shared them, mm -hmm. the angle you've taken. Thankfully, you know, my younger brother took it fine and I hadn't portrayed him in a bad way. Yeah. But since that point and since other issues, I do more consciously think about it. Mostly now if I'm portray portraying anyone, it's my partner. And how, and he how does he take it? <laughs> well me being quite an extrovert he's actually a bit of an introvert and he doesn't he doesn't not like it but he also doesn't like it so he he's not overly enthused about me drawing him he's not like oh let me see how you've drawn me or oh that's not how it happened or or things like that but he doesn't complain and he's just quite I think he's quietly amused by it Right, okay. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably the same with my, my partner. There's a funny story about the first time I drew him for my cat zine. Yeah. I, I drew this story about, it's just a two-page story, silent story about us going onto our roof to look for the International Space Station. Lovely. Um, I had drawn him without a beard. He's, he's always had a beard. <laughs> <laughs> We've been together for over a decade. <laughs> And I was looking at these drawings going, I can't figure out what's wrong. Why doesn't it look like him? Brilliant. Um, and I did tell him about that, which he thought was quite funny. But 
You, you forgot what your long-term partner looked like. He <laughs> feature. The most defining characteristic. <laughs> I've had sometimes with Matt saying that I haven't drawn his beard quite right. Right, okay. Have you ever had something like that? No, I mean, yeah, no, I don't... He's not, he's not really complained about anything since the beard incident. Okay. Luckily, so, I realised before I showed him anything. Because so. you you have a whole page dedicated in a cat scene to him. So how does he feel about having a page dedicated in that? I think he quite likes it. There was one time when a new cat scene arrived from the printer, and he grabbed it and said that he wanted to read the best bit, which was <laughs> he wanted to find his page. <laughs> so yeah, that reassured me that he doesn't mind too much. Or he um, he's he being a bit of a funny one. Yeah, you you've captured his um, personality well, I think, in those <laughs> those cat scenes. I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about social anxiety. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we did want to um, talk about that. And a little bit about nature as well. Okay. Is that all right? Yeah. I've, I I. Then... I dug out your zine party tips for the socially awkward, which oh. I bought ages ago, um, just before oh. we did this tonight. So I had, an, <laughs> I had to look through that. Social anxiety is something, I guess, that is strong, meaningful to me because I've experienced it a lot. And in your cat zine, you start off in one of them explaining how people can misunderstand you a lot. And you reveal little snippets about the truth of who you are which I think is really brave and honest because you're sharing exactly what's going on under the facade that we all present to the world yeah um but one of the bits you you very directly mentioned that you struggle with social anxiety yeah I hadn't properly realized that until I read it oh god but <laughs> we but we've had conversations in the past like in pubs and things where we've had I quite enjoyed it. Nice conversations where you've talked about being an introvert and being comfortable with being an introvert. And, you know, if you don't want to socialize, then you've got to a point now where you say, well, that's fine. I'm not too bothered. Mm. I don't know if I'm revealing too much now. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> but I wondered, do you think for you, there's like a connection there with the social anxiety or do you think that's something separate for you? I think it's very it's very linked um which is why I'm kind of intrigued that you you describe yourself as an extrovert but also socially <laughs> awkward <laughs> because but then I, that gets me thinking we're all doomed <laughs> yeah I've always been really shy and I've got way way better um as I've yeah. got older but yeah I I am totally happy on my own and um I don't do a lot of social stuff and when I do um I do enjoy it but I find it just exhausting <laughs> draining <laughs> even when it's just been the best you know few hours ever so yeah. I, I'm just I'm just aware now that I don't I, I don't take on too much and I don't agree to stuff that I don't really want to do which I used to do a lot was just drag myself to things <laughs> and hate so it. So then when you decide not to do something because you think it will be too much and too overwhelming, are you quite kind and accepting to yourself and say, actually, it's okay for me to say no? Or do you sometimes give yourself a hard time and say, oh, I should have been able to have gone there. I should be doing that right now. No, I don't give myself a hard time about that. Excellent. Um, 
I, I will feel guilty for the other person if I've turned someone down or you know something down and I think oh you know I feel a bit bad for them but I mm. I'm a hundred percent behind my decision to not do it whatever <laughs> oh. it is <laughs> oh good I'm pleased okay um, but yeah I, I do feel a little bit bad but I, I just reached a point where I was like I I can't give all my energy to these things it's just way too much and too many people and too many things that I don't want to go to and I'm making myself go to so that's interesting and so I, I realize like this is a personal topic so please feel free to tell me to shut up on my, my own business um <laughs> but for you I'm just curious because I'm fascinated by it do you find when you experience social anxiety it's something that's always there whatever the day whatever the weather whatever the situation or do you feel it can sometimes like disperse and it's not there anymore it's always there it's it's an awful lot easier if i if the people that I, or person that i've agreed to meet is someone that i'm really comfortable with like a right. good, good friend there's a few good friends you know and people and family and our little group of comics creators that we sometimes so go to the pub with i always <laughs> look forward to that and i always enjoy it oh. um which is really nice because yeah. I've gone to those kind of meetups before with there, there was an illustrator one I went to for a while where I had to force myself and I didn't enjoy it mm-hmm. even though they're perfectly nice people but yeah um, but yeah there's just if it's the right people it's a lot less stressful okay, for but me it's and also ha- having kind of there. it is yeah it's always there having a drink always helps and then you have to be careful not to have too much which is in your party tips for the socially awkward (laughs) it certainly is yeah that's that yeah I have to be careful with that but yeah even if I'm going into a pub with a bunch of people who I really like and I already know um I will always for the first I don't know hour maybe be feeling anxious Um, Mm mm-hmm I think though that's quite common yeah and it, that gets you thinking when you're sometimes I play a game with myself this is so weird and messed up <laughs> when I'm when I'm in a pub and I'm feeling a bit stressed and anxious I'll kind of like do a little psychoanalysis I'll look around the pub and I'll think right there's got to be at, at least what another 40 30 40 percent of people here who are feeling exactly the same as me mm. I wonder which person <laughs> who, who are the people who are feeling like this and how well are they hiding it yeah that's that is a good exercise because we're not alone no definitely but we just don't know openly who the other people are <laughs> that's true people people get good at hiding it and there's one thing that I've noticed as well that often especially if it's a pub and it's noisy I have a thing where I just can't hear what other people are saying hate that and that causes me loads of stress because I think oh my god you know they're talking at me and I'm not hearing any of it and I did read a thing that said that that's that can be linked to anxiety and that that can be an actual condition with background noise that can really affect certain people but then I also what makes me think that it's related to anxiety is that if I have a glass of wine or two, that dissipates and then I become absolutely fine within within an hour or two, which That's makes me think that because I've relaxed, it's not affecting me anymore. Um, so, so the background noise really affects you? It does, yeah. I'm always standing there for the first little bit going, Whoop. I didn't hear that. So with the background noise, would I'm just really curious by this, would it also be like when you're at work because you work in the theatre, so if there's loads of background noise with hustle and bustle of 
the crowd leaving and then you've got one viewer who comes and asks you a question will that cause a difficulty actually no that's interesting it doesn't so I think it is to do with that social anxiety because I'm not socially anxious at work I'm just kind of doing getting on with my job yeah (laughs) whereas in the social thing I'm probably worried about am I what kind of impression am I making am I seeming weird so that will all contribute to me being in a bit of a panic state where I'm probably the reason I'm not hearing anything is that I'm just going into my head and getting panicky well also because it can be really loud in pubs and some people pay play terrible music too loudly yes that's true (laughs) it's not always just you (laughs) what about you 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 say you're an extrovert but socially awkward so how does that work for you it's it's a good question just quickly based on what you said I quite often think having awareness is half the battle and that's something I've been trying to do myself more so in the last few years trying to have awareness and understanding of why I do what I do just from very simple things to how I respond to someone talking to me to my go-to sense of humor and I like thinking about why are we doing everything we're doing what's the reason behind me behaving in a certain way why can I get on with one person easily and I can't with another person and and I've started to think it's not necessarily the person but it's me and my experiences my expectations and I guess I would say yes I'm an extrovert and people who meet me would assume I'm an extrovert But like you, I started off incredibly painfully shy right up until I went to like secondary school. If I was in my house, I'd be noisy. If I was outside of my house, I'd be really painfully shy. I really struggled to look at anyone, talk to anyone. My mum recalls like taking me to the hairdressers and finding it really awkward because the hairdresser would be desperately trying to make conversations with me and I just would sit in absolute silence and I couldn't say a word Um, she'd take me to any appointments and I couldn't say anything I struggled making friends at primary school because I just felt so uncomfortable and awkward but then I guess like you you grow up you learn skills but then also my environment changed so when I went to secondary school I was with different people and I think maybe the teachers started to bring things out in me but I guess I don't unlike you I don't get awkward and socially anxious all the time Um, and I guess I get more anxious rather than socially anxious depending on what's happening in my life and what's going on But I've had situations like you where I used to live in Kent, in good old Royal Tunbridge Wells. (laughs) And I would get the train from Tunbridge Wells to London to go to some social event. And as I'm on the train, I'm travelling for 50 minutes and I'm starting to think of all these scenarios. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm new to the comic world. I don't know what I'm talking about. I've never read a comic what if someone talks about a comic they've read? What if they start talking about that one that was about the mice that was something about Nazis in Germany? And what if, what if I look really stupid because I've got nothing to comment on? And I'm, what happens if everyone else is wearing cool comic clothes and I'm wearing my dorky work clothes? And 
And by the time I arrived at King's Cross, I got myself in such a state that I, just, I felt physically sick. My stomach was in knots. And I remember just getting back on the train and going home again. Oh, yeah, I, I think I remember you telling that story before and just thinking, God, yeah, I can relate to that. And you feel like so silly mm. because actually I've gone other times and it's been fine. Yeah. Um, and then another time, Mr. Steve Walsh <laughs> um, is going to love this one. I remember when I first made my very first zine to sell, which was Enter My Working World. And I got told by Matt to take it to some comic shops to sell. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, um, I can do that. Sure, yeah, comic shops, they're going to stock my stuff. So again, I got on the train, I traveled up. And then I, I walked and found my way to good old Gosh, stood at the door of Gosh, I looked in, and then lovely Steve was at the desk and I could see him, and I just freaked out. And I then went back home again. Oh, no. And I, I didn't even step into Gosh. Yeah. I went home, and then Matt said to me, so how did it go? Did they take some of your comics? And I said, no. And he was like, oh, that's okay. Don't worry. What, what, what did they say? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I didn't go in. He's like, what do you mean you didn't go in? So then he encouraged me to go back. Hmm. So it's it, for me, it's more scenarios that make me anxious. And yeah. after you realize you don't need to be scared or after you realize the facts and the reality, then the anxiety settles. Mm. And yeah. Always your mind creating scenarios of what ifs, mm. and that's not actually fact. And I think a good thing for me that helps is to try and take a step outside of my brain and look on it objectively and say, what are the actual facts? What do we know that's going on? What is it that you're fearing? And is that fear substantiated? Is it a real fear? Mm. And then usually you're right, having like a familiar face really helps. Yeah. Yeah, but I did that with the, the first self-published book I made. I went around a bunch of London shops, comics yeah. and bookshops. And, and, and it's scary. It, oh, it was, yeah, I had to make myself do it. And I did go into the ones that I kind of had intended to go into. Well, your, was it your was stomach doing cartwheels? Very hard, yeah. It was, it's not yeah. my, it's not my uh, forte at all. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and occasionally you would have the odd person that wasn't friendly or whatever. Mm -hmm. But overwhelmingly, people were nice. And even if they weren't interested, they were nice. So I think yeah. you can you can kind of get a bit more used to it. Um, and, and also, I think we build things up bigger than they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because what does it really matter if you walk in somewhere and ask them about a comic and they say, no, yeah. it's not. A huge, That's it. And yeah. if they aren't nice, you walk out of the shop, you're not dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you don't want to, you wouldn't want to deal with that person again anyway. So yeah. exactly. Yeah. But you're, you're, I saw that you're teaching a, a workshop soon. Is that right? Yes. Like a drawing thing? Because that's the kind of yes. thing that I just couldn't do at all. So I'm very impressed that you're doing that. Oh, Kat, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so it's going to be at the British Library. It's in December. It's the first weekend of December. And um, I'm going to be getting people to draw cats in comics. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am. 
I've been googling cat memes for like the last <laughs> month. Um, drawing loads of cats. I've been drawing cats in space. Oh man, that's been fun. And yeah, you would think someone who gets a little bit anxious would probably freak out. And I am a little bit nervous. And every now and then I'm like, oh, what if no one likes it? And then I'm like, hang on a minute. Who's not going to like drawing cats? <laughs> Everyone's going to like drawing cats. And if and you're if coming they didn't, up, they probably wouldn't sign up for your workshop yeah. anyway. So Yeah. So then I get back to being excited about it. Yeah. And it probably helps because I did used to teach. So oh, yes. Yeah. I, I can bring those skills back. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really excited. So Karchi and Cats in December <laughs> is something to look forward to. Yeah everyone goes for that but very finally i read in one of your cat scenes you mentioned that you didn't really didn't have much interest in nature but all the time i've known you you give me the impression that you're really into nature and i wanted to know do you think it was this trip that you've written your graphic novel on that changed your your outlook on nature yes i do think it was and i yeah i think at first I was like oh what, what is Liz thinking of which bit <laughs> and, now, and now I can remember yeah it was definitely that at one point in my life I was all about cities and my family yeah. moved me to the country and I was just kind of like I want to get back to London as soon as <laughs> possible but yeah now I've done a, a complete uh yeah reverse on that and I yeah I think it was that trip because yeah over the you're, course you're of so you're so hot on nature yeah it's like in everything you do I think over the course of nine months we found that if you go to a lot of cities one after the other they're all fairly similar mm-hmm. <laughs> there are some cities in the world that are really unique and, and different but um when, once you get out into the countryside it can be um there's a lot more variety and I yeah. think just seeing just seeing these kind of landscapes like rainforest and stuff which is I'm obsessed with it makes you appreciate stuff more I think when you come back home as well because you're like oh there's all this vegetation that I completely would just blank out because it wasn't interesting to me and now now I can look at it a bit differently oh I was so curious so thank you (laughs) (laughs) that's quite right (laughs) okay and now I think I can stop stop talking (laughs) (laughs) thanks to Kat and Liz for that and thank you for listening see you next month this show is a whole fast network production Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy.